0: Father, we thank you this morning for this wonderful music and thank you for the worship that is in the house. Thank you for the spirit that we've already felt in this service and thank you for what has been accomplished. Hearts have been touched and blessed. You said for us to sing and make melody in our hearts with spiritual songs. And we thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. We come now to the preaching event. And we know, God, that it is by your will and your purpose It hath pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching, to save them that believe. To them that perish, the preaching of the cross is foolishness, but to we which are saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. I pray, O God, that that power would be unleashed in this place today through the preaching of your word, power to change lives, power to heal bodies, power to forgive sin, power to do miraculous things. We trust you today, O God. We're your people. And I ask for your anointing upon this unworthy servant today that I might speak with grace and truth. I pray that prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And amen and amen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32 if you'd like to follow along with me. They'll put it on the screen, but if you want to read it, you're welcome to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9 through 12. For the Lord's portion... The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Can you believe that God feels so strongly about his people that they're the apple of his eye? Apple of his eye. They're the treasure of God's heart. And he said, they shall be unto me a a holy people. They shall be unto me a distinct, peculiar people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation, that they may show forth the praises of him that called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Lord's portion is his people. That means the priority with God. Can you believe that a God who rolls out the heavens every morning, that a God who rides upon the wings of the wind that a God who is sovereign, as creator, not only creator, that all things consist by the word of his mouth, that his priority is his people. That the Lord cares so much about you and is so inclined toward your cry, your prayer, and the needs that are in your heart. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness And he led him about and instructed him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them and beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. God blesses his people. Is there anybody in this house today that can say the Lord has blessed me? That God has been good to me? That I am blessed and I'm highly favored by God. His hand of blessing is upon me and I, I live under that open window where blessings are poured out that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Grace is the means by which God bestows blessing and faith is the way that God imparts blessing to his people. Grace is the means, but faith is the way. For by grace are you saved through faith, amen. That not of ourselves, that any man should boast, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God, the gift of God. In fact, the Bible calls that gift an unspeakable gift. Wow, in other words, there aren't enough words in the English language to describe the gift of salvation and redemption and God's keeping power that he bestows upon his people. It's through grace, it's through faith that God blesses people. He dispenses faith. Ephesians chapter three and verse 20 tells us it's pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's immeasurable. There's no way that you can measure the goodness of God toward us. The language isn't sufficient to describe God's goodness to his people. Is that the way you feel about it today? That I, I just don't have the vocabulary to describe the goodness of God to me. It is so far above our ability to express his name it is a name that is above every name. And that God, the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah God, is so powerful that every time the writers of the Old Testament would write the name of God, they would retire that pen and it never wrote another scratch again. Once that it had written the name of God, it could never be used for anything else to, to say anything or communicate anything. Isn't that something? Once you've said God, you've said it all. Once you've said God, you have come to the conclusion of the whole matter thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great gift that he's given to us? Why don't you clap your hands and say thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. And because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he has imparted to every one of us the gift of his grace and his presence. If you're here today, you're a child of God if you know Jesus. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And there are many metaphors by which God deals with his people, but this one in particular is as an eagle. God says, I have loved Jacob. He's talking about his people, Israel. Jacob, that third generation That God kept his covenant with. Last Wednesday night we talked about how that God said, I will not change. I am the Lord and I don't change. You know, the rest of that verse said, so shall the sons of Jacob be preserved because I don't change. You know what that meant? That meant those patriarchs were God-fearing. Those patriarchs were God-loving and God-honoring, but their children weren't. So God said, I'm not going to change my covenant. I said, surely blessing I will bless you. And multiplying I will multiply you. And I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea. And I won't change. I won't change. My purpose will never change. My plan will never change. My ability and power to save and redeem will never, ever change change, and Jacob can rest assured that all of his children will be cared for and saved by the grace of God because God said, my redemptive provision will not change. Wow, how powerful that is. That's something I can still trust today. He's always going to be a savior. He's always going to be a healer. He's always going to be a deliverer. He's always going to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He said, you can rest assured. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. I'm not going to change that. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for that. What a great promise that is. And of all the metaphors that he uses about his people, this one is very, very interesting. The grace to make it through. The grace to walk the walk. The grace to live the life. Now, last time I talked to you about the eagle, we talked about how that that eaglet was formed in the egg. And I, I love the way that happens. The Bible said the eagles, they soar. And they soar and ride the wind to great heights. In fact, the Bible even said that they fly through the air and make love in the air. Can you believe that? Wow. And when that monogamous eagle sees for his family and cares about his family, God said, like that eagle and his mate care for their families, that's the way God said, I'm going to take care of you, going to take care of you. Just like the eagle takes care of its young, that's the way I'm going to take care of you. Now before you get too excited about that, I need to tell you some things about how that eaglet, made its way out of that egg because a lot of folks die in the egg because they never get what you gotta have on the inside to break out of that encapsuled bondage that you're in. And that mother could with her beat. Break that egg at any point and free that eaglet and let that eaglet just get out of the shell. But she won't do it. She will not do one thing to help an eaglet get out of the shell. But she will do everything once he gets out of that shell to help him be a successful, mature, adult eagle, won't help him out of the egg, but she'll do anything for him once he decides to break free. So in other words, he's got to make up his mind. When the time comes, I can no longer stay where I am. God does not want us to stay where he finds us. Where he found some of us wasn't too good of a place. And he expected us to break free of that place where he found us. And we've got to have that willpower to say, God, by your grace, I'm going to break out of here. I know you're not pleased with me where I am. And I need the grace and the power and the faith to peck my way out of this place. And get on my road to becoming what you want me to be. If you remember the Bible said that God, when God found Abraham, this person of covenant that he's in covenant with, he was an idle, totem heathen. What? In Ur, I call it U-R. He was over in the land of U-R of the Chaldees. And God had chapter 12 of Genesis, said to him, go into a lamb that I will show you. I got to get you out of where you are before I can take you to where you need to be. I got to challenge you to accept and vision something bigger and better. My plan for you is bigger than you can imagine. My plan for you is better than you ever could understand. My plan for you is so good and so gracious that it's worth the effort. I got to get you out of you are and get you to where you can know who God is and be blessed in a land of promise. You are bitter. God wants to make you better. Come on somebody. God's wanting to take you to a place and do something so marvel. you know, Don and I were talking about it not long ago. He said, Seem like every sermon people come to preach the harvest is God's taking you somewhere. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm on my way somewhere. <laughs> not standing still and not turning back. I'm on my way. God's got something better for harvest than it's ever been. There's a saying that I found at a yard sale a long time ago, Susie, and it sits on the dining room table. It says, your best is yet to come. And I I tried my best to walk away from that yard sale and not buy that, but something kept telling me, you need to go back and buy that, and you need to put it where you can see it often. God's got something better for every one of us at Harvest. Hey, your best days are not in your past. Your best days are in your future. And if we can just walk by God's hand, he will lead us to a place of blessing, salvation, and victory. Hallelujah. Yeah, that little eaglet had to peck its own way out. The mother said, you need the strength, you need the experience, you need the, what is it they call that, intestinal fortitude? You probably just call it guts. <laughs> Have you got the guts to live free? Have you got the guts to break out of that, what you are? And be what God wants you to be? Have you got the guts to walk by faith and not by sight? Have you got the guts to trust that whatever your need is, God will supply it? Have you got the guts to go through every test, every difficulty, every hardship that may come your way, trusting in your God, growing in grace? Have you got the guts? Have you got the intestinal fortitude? That little eaglet had to reach way down deep and say, I want to I, I live free. I, I, I've got a future to live. I've got a, a promise. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I'm not meant to die in this shell. I'm not meant to just sit here status quo and ordinary and do nothing. If things are going to get better, I've got to get up and get busy pecking my way out of here. God, and I, I learned from that that in every difficulty that comes my way, you see, the ability to soar to heights and ride the wind like an eagle, God will never, never challenge you to a lofty thing without giving you enough wings to make it. He'll never challenge you with a goal that's so lofty and so high that he won't supply the wing strength that you'll need to get where God wants you to be. Hallelujah. Every time that God challenges you, he gives more grace every time when it's time to advance and go a little bit further. I used to tell people around here, if you want to go to the next level, you gotta expect a bigger devil. I said, if you're gonna go to the next level, then expect to find a bigger devil. Because he doesn't just surrender territory. He doesn't just give up strongholds. Brother, if you're gonna go to the next level and enter the new dimension, no longer a egg dweller, no longer a person encapsulated, if you want to go to a level where you walk with power and you walk with authority and you walk with experience and patience and faith and hope and those fruit of the Spirit, then you gotta get to that place Where you're willing to say in your gut, praise God. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what God's word says I can be. I can do what God's word says I can do. I can meet the challenge. I can be what God has purposed for me to be. And I won't settle to just die in the egg. I'll peck my way out of that egg and I'll be what God wants me to be. Boy, you can look at those examples. You know, a lot of folks would like to look at you and identify you with what you used to be. I've been going back up to Hart, you know, the old high school where I went sitting with my buddies a little bit on Friday night, and we sat there and remember this fumble recovery here. It's been a long time ago, honey, but those guys can remember all of that stuff. And they all called me back in those days Punch. I was just Punch. And don't you dare ever call me Punch or I'll turn you out of the church. <laughs> and the only people that knows me by that name, or if I ever hear that name, I look around because there's a Heart in somewhere around. But you know, people would like to remember you how you used to be. Yeah. And that's all, all they want to talk about every time they see me. Uh, Friday night, I was trying to get out of that crowd. And some guy, his name was Red Wallace. How did that come to my mind? And he, he said to me, he said, You remember when you used to sack groceries down there at Piggly Wiggly? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. You remember when you used to do this? You used to do that? People would love to put you in past. Come on, somebody. But I want to tell you the past. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not what I used to be. That may be your memory of me, but I want you to know that's not me. Praise God. That's not me. I'm not that little boy that lived over there at 807 Patilla Street and played football at the Water Tower and all that. Yeah, I, that was me then, but this not me now. Many, many miles behind me since then. Praise God. You know, when Peter was training to be a pillar, when God was transforming him out of a weepy willow into a strong rock-like apostle, then oftentimes Jesus, when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon. Didn't call him Peter. Then, Well, Jesus gave him the name Peter. Jesus was the one that called him Peter, but sometimes he acted like Simon. Jesus had expectations that he would be rock-like, but sometimes he just acted like the reed blowing in the wind. Come on, somebody. You see, a lot of folks would like to look at you like you used to be. But thanks be to God, Peter went through a transformation and he missed the mark a lot of times. A lot of times he was just Simon. Lots and lots of times when God expected Peter, he was just Simon. What are you saying? I'm saying there are a lot of times when you're not what God wants you to be. There are a lot of times when your faith falters. There are times when you just don't have that spiritual stamina and that strength to go on and stand the test and sometimes you're just Simon. But God would have us to be rock-like. God would have us all to accept that challenge to be what he wants us to be and to do the things he, he wants us to do. You see, when God called Abraham, he called him from that Ur of the Chaldees and he said I will make of thee a great nation you remember when they went down into Israel, or Egypt, they were 70 and they were a family. You see, there comes a time when God says, it's time to move on. Man, we got you out of the eggshell. You know what happens next? The nest. And that nest, that mother eagle, she puts her feathers all around it and she goes and gathers soft things and nice, comfortable, ooey gooey squeezy things. So you'll feel all warm and fuzzy and you'll love the nest. If you're not careful, you'll fall in love with the nest and won't want to leave the nest God sent them down to Egypt actually to be their nest Yah called Abraham Isaac Jacob and their children and 70 members of their family went down there into Egypt but in the nest 400 years in the nest they fell in love with the nest but there came a time When God said, We're going to leave the nest. You don't know how to live outside the nest. You've been slaves for 400 years. You don't know how to live free. You don't know how to worship because you've never experienced worship. Come on, somebody. And it came time for God to say to them, We're leaving here and we're going to a Canaan land, we're going to a land of promise. We're going somewhere where I'm taking you. I've prepared for you. I've destined for you to be a a people. And now that 70-member family has become 4 million. Whew. That's a lot of folks. And one pastor. Whew. I don't know where Brother Fincher is today. probably over in Georgia picking peas. My father-in-law sometimes gives me advice, you know. Moses had a, he was a great pastor, but he had a father-in-law that could give him some advice. And he said, there's no way you can handle this all by yourself. You've got to have some help. And so he got some folks named Joshua and Caleb and others, you know, that would assist him and would help him. There came a a time when they got so angry at him they wanted to kill him. Yeah, Pastor, we felt that bad about you a time or two. (laughs) They wanted to kill him. And there was a time when God wanted to kill them. But they had a destiny. And they had a purpose and God was taking them somewhere. You see, if you're on your way somewhere that God wants you to go and you're traveling and you're you're making progress toward going to that place, the devil is going to fight you and there's going to be all kinds of obstacles and there's going to be all kinds of things present themselves. There'll be battles to fight. I wish that God would just snap his finger thing and just all enemies just but that wasn't the way God said do it. God said, "I want you to go in there and take that promised land. I want you to go in there and be the people of God. You got to fight the battle. You got to fight. You got to take the city. Jericho's there. My power will go with you, but you got to do the marching. My power will tear the walls down, but you've got to do the blowing the trumpet. Gideon, I'll be with you. I'll bless you. You hadn't got but three hundred, but my power will go with you." And I'll bring a great victory. I just need you to take the pictures and put the light at them. You see, in other words, God uses people to do great things so that the greater purpose can be accomplished. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that everybody can be blessed, everybody has to do their part. I think I'll milk that cow just a little bit. <laughs> As part of the body of Christ, you have a contribution to make. And it's easy to sit in your nest and say, "Mama, keep bringing me food." Anybody got a funnel so I can get it easier? I have to dart it around now to kind of catch. If I had a good funnel, I might could just put that funnel in my mouth and mama wouldn't have to worry about me getting it. Feed me, feed me, feed me. I hear so many folks say nowadays, well, pastor, I'm just not being fed. Yeah, you have sat in that nest so long. And you've gotten so accustomed to somebody feeding you. You ought to be feeding somebody <laughs> instead of somebody feeding you. You ought to be encouraging somebody instead of sitting around with the mopey's wondering why somebody won't encourage you. You need to be out doing some things that will lighten somebody else's load. The Bible said bear you one another's burden. Don't sit in the nest and wait on somebody to come along with a blessing for you. Now that Wednesday night crowd, they can take that now. I hope you Sunday morning folks can take that. Because you know what? If we all would do our part and all of us would let our, our God get us out of our nest. You know what happened? That little mother, she saw a time when they had to get out of the nest. There was a time that came when Israel had to get out of Egypt. And the Bible said she stirreth up her nest. Now, if you read that in the Hebrew like it is, instead of her feathers she, that's warm and cozy, and she'll pull them out and she'll go gather some briars. And she'll go gather some thorns and she'll put those in her nest so that every time Eaglet moves, he gets stuck. And every time he wanders off to sleep, he gets up against a thorn and says, like, Oh. And the nest becomes so uncomfortable for him that he gets a different attitude. And he says, Well, maybe leaving the nest is not such a bad idea after all. It's not too comfy here anymore. I'm glad God loves us enough. stir the nest I'm glad that God won't let us just sit and soak and sour in the nest I'm glad that God cares enough about us and cares enough about his church that he won't let us just be status quo and ordinary and mundane he's gonna call us out of that lethargic situation and say hey it's time to get going here and I don't know a church that doesn't need to hear that right there need to get going Every week, 1,500 ministers quit the ministry. Every week, 1,500 quit. The challenge has got now, and people are so individualistic now, and our people are so materialistic-minded now that it's tough. It's tough leading people spiritually now. It really is and many pastors that I know wouldn't preach what I preach here today at all they'd lose too many popularity points but I'm gonna challenge you every time I walk in this pulpit because I'm not worth a flip to you if I don't challenge you when you come and sit in these pews I owe it to you to challenge you I'm not gonna let you sit in that nest and get comfy and just sit there status quo. I'm going to keep a putting a briar in there. Every Sunday, kind of punch you a little bit and let you know. God said, get going. God wants you to get going. God don't want you to sit status quo. He wants you to get going. I said he wants you to get going. And God's got a time where you've got to get out of that nest. There was a time when we were all locked in that encapsulated egg called the human condition. The human condition. What is the human condition? It's that we have inherited sin, born in sin, born with our back toward heaven, going the wrong way. But God, I said but God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love wherewith he loved us, Even while we were dead in sin. Even while we were stuck in the human condition. Even while we were just status quo and really didn't care about our soul and just encapsulated in sin and bondage and hell and hopelessness. But God, but God, rich in mercy. And with his great love, wherewith he loved us, even while we were dead. Even when the egg had no life in it, it was dead. But thanks be to God that God infused something into that egg called gospel. 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 That gospel that's so foolish to the world, that gospel that is so foolish to them that perish, that gospel that started that early church on the day of Pentecost, that gospel that won 3,000 souls and preaching on the gates of Halda, that gospel that spread throughout the known world in the first century and reached all across the Mediterranean basin and touched people even in Spain and Portugal with the gospel of Jesus. So much so that the Bible says, and the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. And a number of multitudes were added to the church. What happens when the gospel is preached? Greatest thing this church does is preach the gospel. First and foremost for this church is to lift up Jesus. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's the business of the church to lift up Jesus and magnify and exalt and worship and praise the name of Jesus so that lost people can be saved. That's the best thing we do. The gospel and anthropology is called two. It's that process where strength is given to that eaglet to harden his beak enough that he can peck his way out. Egg two. Wow. I wonder if Christians could get a little egg two. I wish it came in a bottle. I'd give out about three or four hundred here this morning. Wouldn't you like to get a good dose of egg too? You see, something on the inside of you has got to become hard enough and strong enough and powerful enough that it can break free. Because if you never know that you can be free and you never know that God's grace is abundant to you and you never know, hey, greatest friend you've got is the man that told you Jesus And his shed blood and his saving grace can make a new creature out of you. He can change your heart. He can change your life. That's the best friend you've got who tells you that Jesus saves and Jesus heals. Glory to God, something inside you has got to yearn to be what God wants you to be. Sometimes I I wonder if we've got that yearn to be better than what we are. To do more than we've ever done. I wonder if we ever have that egg two experience in our heart and our life that lets us know God has ordained something better for me. That crazy mess you call the marriage you're in right now. God's got something better than that for you that messed up life that you're living right now. God's got something better than that for you. I pray that he'll put some egg two in you and let you know I need to break out of this egg, amen. I need to get break free of this bondage, this encapsulated being that I am right now. God has got something so much better than this for me. Busted and disgusted, God's got something better than that for you. Come on somebody down on your luck and down on life and feel like everybody has mistreated you and you got a victim mentality you need to walk out of that that thing break free of that get out of that shell I said get out of that shell God's got something a whole lot better than that for you I feel the Holy Ghost when I told you that somebody needed to hear that here this morning that God's got something so much better than that for you he doesn't want you to be down and uh, full of anxiety and fear and having to take all those pills and antidepressants for all kinds of. Hey, the Lord said, "I will make him at perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me." Hey, God's got some medicine that'll give you peace. I said, God's got some medicine that'll give you peace. God's got some medicine that'll settle your nerves. God's got some medicine that'll make you be encouraged and lifted out of the doldrums. God's got some medicine that'll cause you to feel better. Glory to God. His mercies are new every every morning. Faithful is our God. He never, ever disappoints. Now, if you're looking at people, people will disappoint you. If you're looking at people, people will let you down. If you're depending on people, then I want to tell you, they'll hurt your heart. Do you hear this, Pastor? But if you'll get your eyes upon the Lord Jesus, if you'll get your eyes upon the word of the living God, If you'll get your mind stayed upon the Lord Jesus, he'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you a joy that is unspeakable, that's full of glory. Oh, I don't want to live in that old egg of depression and disappointment and and no hope. I don't want to live in that egg. God don't want me in that egg. God wants me to break out of that egg. God wants me to be challenged to believe him for something so much better. Thank God it stirs up the nest. He stirs up the nest. Touch your neighbor and say, this is not that. Wouldn't cooperate with me. You didn't tell her this is not that. This is not that. I'll tell you. You told him, you told him right too. This is not that. No matter what you're going through today, you need to know this is not that. Woo. Woo. Glory to God. This is not that. When Joseph's brothers took him and threw him in the pit, he said, this is not that. I've had a dream. I've had a vision, I've got a promise. I know what God's will for my life is and it's not a pit, this is not it. This is not it. Got sold to the Ishmaelites and traveled down into Egypt, put him on the slave block up there and he said this is not that. God's purpose for me is not a slave. God's purpose and plan for me is not to be an indentured servant. This is not that. This is not what God's will is for me. Put him down in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife grabbed him and he ran out of his coat. He said, this is not that. This is not what God has ordained for me. I'm not gonna settle for this because this is not that. Come on, don't you ever settle for a nest that's not God's will for you. This is not that. Joseph was sitting down there rotten in prison and forgot about. The butler and the chef came down and talked to him. And when he was restored and his prophecy was true and he'd done the right thing, still he didn't get out. And he's still rotten in prison. Come on, somebody. But he said, This is not that. This is not that. This is not going to be where, this is not my end. This is not the last chapter. This is not the end of the book, praise God. It's not over. I said, it's not over. I said, it's not over because this is not that. Glory to God, you need to stand up today and say to God, thank you, God, this is not that. I may have lost my job and got laid off from work, but this is not that. I may be going through a crazy time in my life right now, but this is not that. I may be struggling with kids that's hooked on drugs, but this is not that. I may be going through all kind of difficulty and health problems, but thanks be to God, this is not that. I'm on my way to somewhere, and God has intended for me something that's so much better, and I am not gonna get down. I'm not gonna be defeated. I'm going on with God. I'm gonna be what God wants me to be. I'm gonna say what God wants me to say. I'm gonna. Enjoy the things of God, because this is not that. This is not that. Glory to God, you need to take on a new attitude. Say, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I know in whom I have believed, I know I can face tomorrow. This is not the end. This is not all there is to it. Hallelujah. I will live and not die. What did God do for him? God brought him out of that that prison and elevated him and put him on the throne and his brothers came down to get help and he became a type of the Lord Jesus in that he was a deliverer and a supplier of needs, hallelujah, and the Bible said Joseph told his brothers, you meant it to be evil, but God meant it for good, hallelujah, because God knew this is not that. Hallelujah. If God means it for good, all the evil that the devil can put together won't stop the hand of God that's blessing you. If God meant it to be good, it will happen. God will do it for you if God wants it to be good. Withhold from them that love him. God's got something good for you. Don't you stay in that nest. The devil thought he had the Lord Jesus in the egg, put him in a tomb. The sinners, the contradiction of sinners, had killed the line of life. And he lay in the tomb. Satan said, I've got him where I want him. But I want to tell you, Jesus could say, this is not that. The devil may think this is that, but this is not that. The devil's crowd may have written me off and said, he he said he would rise, but he's not going to rise. We're going to put Caesar's mark on the tomb, and he can't break that. and he won't get up. Oh, but when those ladies on the first day of the week went to the tomb and they looked inside, there was an angel that said, he is not here. This is not that. This may be what the devil thought was that, but this is not what God said was that oh glory to god that angel said he is not here he is risen he has overcome death he's overcome hell he's overcome the grave he's broken out of that bondage the devil thought he had him and he has become the living eternal everlasting god for us he is the resurrection and if any man believeth in him though he were dead yet shall he live again and because he lives We shall live also. Glory to God, stand with me. I got some more to preach, but I got to let you go sometime today. Glory to God. I'm sitting in a nest right now, waiting on that eagle to come, and I'm gonna fly. Because I'm destined to fly. I'm destined, glory to God, to rise. I'm in that nest right now, waiting on the time to come. You see, there's going to be a trumpet that's going to sound. I said, there's a trumpet that's going to sound. And we're going to leave this nest we're in. Just like he gave the call to those people in Israel's bondage and Egypt's bondage when the time came. God said, it's time to get out of here, Moses. Go down there and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. There's coming a time, I don't know when it is, maybe today, but there's coming a time when God is gonna say to the Lord Jesus, go down there and get my people out of that nest that they call life in the world. and then the doors of flesh are gonna burst wide open when the angel sets my spirit free. Then I'll take my flight like a mighty eagle. Then I'll take my flight like a mighty eagle. And the hills of home are calling me. I want to tell you there's going to come a time when the Lord is going to gather all of us and his greatest possession, his pride and his glory, the apple of his eye will come and rise to meet him in the air. And what a day, glorious day that will be. I want to tell you if you're here this morning and you don't have that hope, there is a God who gives hope. There's a God who changes things. This is not that. I said, this is not that. I said, this is not that, but I'm going to keep this until that comes. (laughs) I'm going to make it through this so I can get to that. Glory to God. You remember on the day of Pentecost where the church had its birthday and Peter got up and preached when the folks around looked at him and said, these people are drunk on new wine, and Peter got up and he said, these people are not drunk, as ye suppose, but this is that. My church is gonna go into all the world and preach the gospel, and they're gonna need power. And I said to Joel years ago, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit and this is that. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Could you just worship the Lord with me right now and give God some great praise? This is that. This Holy Ghost baptism, this is that that enablement that we're tearing, waiting for, the promise of the Father. This is that. Praise God the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. This is that. Praise God. This is that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now I want that to be in our presence and be in our church and be in our services. I want us to worship like this is that because that's the way God would have us to worship in spirit and in truth. Praise God. Have you met this couple right here? This is Chris and Tina. They got saved one afternoon when they came through drive-through prayer. came last Wednesday night and to find out what everybody was talking about on Wednesday night and he got a good blessing, Tina did too. I tell you, there's a lots more folks out there for us to reach and the way for us, the way for us to be what God wants us to be is to fill these seats up with people. Fill it up with people. And I'm not looking for rich people, and I'm not looking for any kind, I'm looking for people, plain old people, just people, because people need the Lord, and God will do great things. I'm believing him for it, aren't you? Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, Maria, Maria's sitting right back over yonder beside Jeff. She came one Wednesday night. Told me her story. God touched her. She was driving through here, going down the street, and she saw some people out in the parking lot that was praying for people. And she was at that time asking God, God, where do you want me to go to church? And she said, I drove right by there and said, God said right out there where they're praying for people. That's that's where I want you to go. She sat and dropped back on the back over there. I could go on, but you're hungry, I guess and to point out, folks, to you that God's done great things. The key to that is this, folks. Don't be content with mediocrity. Don't be content with business as usual. I believe God, Demetrius, wants to do something special in his church. God didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us how to swim to let us drown. He's with us. I said God is with us. God is with us all the time. God is with us and he will not fail us, he will not forsake us, he'll go with us all the way even to the very end. It's not the first mile that's so important, it's the last one, that last one. When that last one comes for me, I hope I can peck my way out of that shell and go to be with Jesus. Thank you God for our people this morning, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, thank you for the Spirit of God that's been so powerful in this service this morning, And I ask you to go with us now, O God, to our homes, our families. Give us an enjoyable time around the family eating table today. And just give us a good day, O Lord. And may we worship and praise you throughout the day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Shake hands now and be friendly. You better be friendly whether you shake hands or not. I'll see you Wednesday night. God bless. 6.30.